Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode, actually a special episode of Let Fear Bounce. I am your host, Kim Langling. Thank you so much for joining myself today and my special guest, Renee O'Shaughnessy. She is actually, we're going to call her by her title, Captain Renee O'Shaughnessy. She is the founder of Piloting to Wellbeing, an aviation-based well-being organization that builds on her, builds on her 34 plus years of experience as a commercial airline pilot. She helps others in high performance professions and those seeking careers as airline pilots achieve a healthier, more rewarding life using practical techniques tailored specifically for their careers. Renee, thank you so much for joining me today on Let Fear Bounce. Well, thank you for having me, uh, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. So you and I were talking off mic about the difference of mental health, mental illness, and all of the above. And we're gonna we're gonna focus on that, folks, simply because we've got uh, you know depression and mental illness and anxiety and all kinds of things that people are going through. Much more, it's much more prevalent, I think, in the world. And we want to discuss some of those aspects and the difference between some of them, just so it can clarify for you folks out there. So, Renee, I'm gonna turn it over to you. You are the expert here. Give us the difference between what was it, mental health and mental illness? Yes, that's a great question. And thanks for asking that. You know, um, there is a confusion or maybe just not an awareness that mental health is not the same as mental illness. We all have mental health, me, you, everyone, because we're human. We, not all of us have a diagnosable mental illness. Now, I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a doctor. This is just, um, I am a health coach though. So I, I say this with some type of you know medical background that and how we deal with mental health is something that we don't talk about in our society. Mental health is confused with a diagnosable mental illness and it is not the same. Explain the difference if you can yeah. or give some practical tips that people can use when they're approached or when they're dealing with someone that might have some sort of mental health issue that they're going through? Mental health is something that we all have, as I said, and those are uh, along the spectrum of health. And so that could be anxiety, it could be mild depression, it could be uh, sleep deprivation, it could be financial struggles, it could be naughty kids, teenage kids, elderly parents, divorces, that's, that goes along the spectrum of mental health. So in order to keep our mental health healthy, we need to have some techniques and tricks and tips uh, that, that we can all use. So when those situations come up, you have enough tools in your toolbox that you know that what you're struggling with isn't normal. Normal, because if you don't know normal, you don't know, you can't identify abnormal. You know, for example, I, I suffer with anxiety. As an airline pilot, uh, I, every six months I have to go in and I have to fly, fill out a form to obtain a medical certificate. It's called an 8500. On that certificate, it says, have you ever struggled with anxiety? Well, my anxiety isn't debilitating. 
palpitating. My anxiety is I can't put a contact in my eye. If I put a contact in my eye, I start struggling. I have, I could feel my heart racing. My hands start sweating, but I know that. So I go, ah, here it is again. I'm feeling that feeling. So I can well manage that. Everyone has these ups and downs, as it's commonly known, throughout their life. Mental illness is a diagnosable mental illness. And the psychiatrist and psychologist have a DSM book. And if you have, for example, a personality disorder, you will be diagnosed with a mental illness. That's not the end of the world. There are many people out there that are diagnosed with borderline personalities, um, narcissism, and they lead lives. You know, whether they're healthy or not, that's something for another show. That's the difference. Everyone has mental health and they go through things throughout their life that are normal stressors. It's how we handle those normal stressors that makes the difference of the quality of our life. And as airline pilots, lawyers, doctors, professions that have very high impact professionals that they have to be on and on all the time over a period of time, if you don't manage those stressors, then they become chronic. For example, if you're not sleeping at night, if you have irregular hours, you don't have regular sleep schedule, something is bothering you, and you are sleeping less than four hours a night, that can be problematic. As a matter of fact, that is problematic. It has an impact on the way not only you live, but it has an impact on every organ, every tissue in your body. So that's why it's important to recognize mental health, because when you're having sleepless nights, that might sound very innocent on the outside. But really, if you knew why we sleep, if you don't sleep at night, you're really doing more harm than good. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Like, you know, stress as everybody lives under stress every day it's it could be a small amount or large amount and like you said it's all on how you deal with it and reach into your toolbox and i'm glad you brought that up the toolbox because that's what i'm always saying i have to reach into my toolbox regularly you know to say all right i i see i see this or i feel this i acknowledge it mm-hmm. i'm going to handle it right now and nip it in the bud and keep on keeping on mhm but it takes, it's not, that's not a spot that you can get to right away. You know, that's to, to get to that point where you recognize and acknowledge that this is happening. Cause sometimes you're just so in your days, you're so used to just running that rat race. And you mentioned several different occupations, you know, and you could toss in doctors and nurses and, you know, any, anyone in the healthcare that you're dealing with people on a day-to-day basis. If you have your own stress, you're sleeping less than four hours a night, like you said, that takes a massive toll on you physically as well as mentally in the long run. And to notice it, to realize, oh, I'm not feeling great. And not just keep on keeping on, acknowledge it and say, you know, wow, okay, I'm not feeling great. I Maybe I need to go to my doctor or I need to go talk to someone. 
as an airline pilot yourself for decades, um, you've probably witnessed or even went through some of your own stressors. Of course, that's a high stress job. You've got hundreds of souls mm -hmm. in your care for hours at a time, day after day. What kind of toll does that take on you at times? Well, I'll tell the story about what happened to me. When I was 50, <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a clear blue fall sky, much like we're experiencing today, Kim. And I was in my doctor's office for a wellness check. And I was sitting there very impatiently waiting for her to take the same measurements that she took last year to tell me that this year everything was normal so I could get on with my life. But that wasn't the case. This year, everything wasn't normal. When she announced that I had catastrophically high blood pressure, my blood pressure was 190 over 160. Oh my. So I was definitely in stroke range. And she instructed me to go directly to the ER. In fact, she insisted that her office arrange transportation for me because I was in no way, no condition to drive myself. You know, I sat there at the edge of the examining table, speechless. I wasn't expecting it because high blood pressure is known as the silent killer. So I really didn't feel anything. So as superwoman mother that I am, like many of your viewers or your listeners are out there listening to today, I stood up from the examining table and I put my hands on my hips and I said, I'm a very busy woman. I don't have time for this crap. I have a kid to pick up from school. I have dinner to make. I have a 14 hour day tomorrow and I'm not going to any blankety blank ER. And I started walking out of the examination room and she grabbed me and she said, you really need to go. Now, here's the thing, Kim. Why don't we want to go to the doctors? You don't want to hear bad news. We don't want to hear because if we hear it, if we don't, if we keep it away, we think that it might go away or it might fix itself or how many times a neighbor or a cousin or a friend or a loved one wakes up with a rash or a lump that wasn't there the, the day before, hoping that it's just going to go away. So I think as a society, where we you know one we're we're not conditioned to reach out because there's a stigma involved, especially in mental health. And today in organizations, we're we're hearing more and more about burnout. And people don't want to take the time out to go and get a test because what if they found something wrong? then what would, what would the next step be? Many people are single parents. Maybe many of them can't afford to take off time to get the necessary tests, or they can't afford to have the necessary tests. I hit my aha moment when I turned 50 and I get calls all the time and emails from people. Now don't, now don't get me wrong. I, I'm not implying that stress and burnout 
cause all diseases and mental illness or mental health. But think of it. Our society, our culture in the world, we spend less than 1% on preventative mental health. But yet we spend $55 billion. As a matter of fact, it is estimated in the next 10 years to be trillions of dollars on medication. And that is, to me, a pretty darn sad statistic. It is. Let me read on page 58 in my book. Even before COVID-19, anxiety and depression were estimated to cost the global economy over $1 trillion every year in lost productivity, with the global wellness market forecasted to, to reach $66 billion by 2022, that's this year, it is clear that organizations may be spending money on reactive programs rather than preventative education. Globally, we invest less than 1% of preventative resources and time on mental health and self-care. That's some scary statistics right there. And I, you know, all you out there listening, I hope that you feel a little bit of that fear <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I mean, that's scary stuff. And that's something that we all have to face. And I know, I think back to my grandma, her generation, and even my mom's generation, she's almost 80. She'll be 80 here in two months. And those are the two generations that I know. Mental health, stress, anxiety, depression was never spoken of, ever. That's a sign of weakness. That's a personal matter. You do not share it with anyone ever. No one is to ever know about it. You just get on with your day, buck up buttercup. And I had heard my gram say that. And my mom say that I was raised that way. You, you don't share that stuff. You're fine because that, those generations, it's like, if you didn't have a physical symptom, you know, like that was visible, then you're fine. Yeah. But that's not the case. And, you know, thankfully it, that's starting, you know, to be more, people are talking more openly. I think it still needs to be a lot more openly, but it's, there's a trend where people are actually talking about it more openly. I know veterans still like Vietnam era, Korea still would say, you know, I mean, and they went through some traumatic experiences. I mean, Oh, you couldn't even imagine. And they still won't say I have PTSD. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. I was a Marine. Yeah. I was a soldier. I'm tough. I'm fine. I got it. And yet they're exhibiting all kinds of physical symptoms and the loss of sleep and all of that. And that can go for anybody. And that's just not military. I mean, that's for anybody. Oh, absolutely. And you brought up such a, such a great, you know, what you read from your book. And by the way, folks, the name of her book is this is your captain speaking. She'll share a little bit more about that and where you can find it towards the end of the show. Going back to toolbox and as a pilot specifically, now, I know you and I have talked off mic before about tragedies that happen because of pilots that have been under so much stress or depression or what have you. In your toolbox, what is it that you use? You might have a bad day. I mean, just because you're a pilot doesn't mean you're going to have a great day and be on every single day, but people expect that. Mm -hmm. So what is it in your toolbox that you personally use when you know you've got several hundred people 
that you're carrying around, those souls that you're going to be carrying around and, you know, being the pilot for, they're expecting absolutely everything from you. Mm-hmm. What is it that you pull out of your toolbox when you're having a bad day, knowing you've got all these other souls that are under your care? How is it that you get through a day like that? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. There's no one answer. What I what I will use is a, an example of a cup. And I fill my cup up with all kinds of tools. We'll call it the toolbox. So when I go to work or when I have an extremely stressful day with weather or cancellations or mechanicals or fighting in the airplane or whatever that puts you to that stress marker, I'm able to reach down into that reservoir. And that reservoir contains many things. For example, when I I told you about when I had high blood pressure and I and I ended up going to the doctor, by the way. <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you right. shared that because I've been I, sitting here wondering. Right. <laughs> I ended up left us on a cliffhanger. <laughs> One of the tools that I put in my toolbox was meditation. Now, I'll just tell you right off the get-go, I am Roman Catholic, I have a religion, but when it was introduced to me as, as a tool that I put in my toolbox, I absolutely resisted it. I thought it was a religion, I thought it was from you know the Far East, it was, it was Buddhism, and I did not want any part of it. My doctor, who was a functioning medicine doctor, she's an MD, but a functioning medicine doctor gets to the root of the problem. So even though a traditional doctor wanted to put me on anxiety medicine, and don't get me wrong, there are some conditions that need anxiety medicine. But for mild anxiety like I have, or mild depression that some other people may be experiencing, there are things that you can do. One of the tools was mindfulness for me. So when my doctor recommended uh, this tool, I said, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I have my own religion. And she said, no, please consider it. It's scientifically based. I know you like science. I know you're very analytical. I give it a try. And I said, well, I'll think about it. Well, I found myself going to Barnes and Nobles. That's when we could go into stores. That's that's when we could touch things. And I found myself in the self-help section. And I tried to be very discreet when I was looking at the self-help books. And I saw one by Jack Kornfield. It was basically meditation, mindfulness for dummies. And I picked up the book and I thought, huh. This one looks familiar and I bought it, but my intention for buying it was to, now I'm a pilot, so I'm very disciplined. I'm very good at following checklists. I bought the book to make sure that I tried this technique in mindfulness, but my intention was to prove Dr. Franny wrong. My intention was not to put this tool into my toolbox as something that I could use. Well, six weeks into it, and I meditated for five minutes a day for the first week. 
The second week, it was 15 minutes. The third week, it was 20 minutes. And by the end of six weeks, it was 30 minutes. But what I found is that I had a mind shift and it didn't happen overnight, but little by little, I found myself responding to my children different, responding to my husband different, looking at life more openly. I didn't react. I, I responded. So what I'm saying is after six weeks, and I'm still a meditator, it's been 15 years now, and I meditate every single day in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon, and right before I go to bed. And I keep that tool in my container, my arsenal, so I can pull out of that reservoir every time that I get a anxiety attack or if I'm in a situation. So what I was trying to say is you can't start meditating. I mean, it's nothing that's going to hurt, but the two to get the most benefit out of meditation, you have to build up the container. So that's one of the things that I do. And another easy thing I do, and I re I revisit this every year, I make a list of 25 things that I love to do. 25 things, and they're, they can't be hard. Because if they're hard, then no one's going to do them. But 25 things that don't take much effort or thought. For example, a cup of coffee in the morning. That first cup of coffee, I brings me so much happiness. Or coming home from a hard day's work and taking off my shoes and sitting on my back deck and listening to Jimmy Buffett. Walking in the grass with my shoes off. Uh, you know, just simple things that you can do that bring you joy in your life. And when I ask people to do this, they rattle off like 10 things right away. But I give them this assignment. And I said, You're, this is your assignment for the rest of the week. So in seven days, they really have to stop and say, oh, what else brings me joy? Oh, drinking this bottled water actually brings me joy when I'm able to sip this water at my desk. I mean, it's different for everyone, but those are the kind of things I think if we all are aware of, it makes our our day a little more joyous. So those are the two things that I do. And of course, in my seat when I'm when I'm commanding the airplane, I do chair yoga. Explain that. Yeah. <laughs> Chair, chair yoga, you could do it anywhere. You could do it in the seat of your car, at your desk, um, in the pilot seat. And basically it's stretches that you do with your neck, your back, your toes, your ankles, your legs. So it's a, it's a series of moves that aren't hard, but it wakes up your muscles to again make you feel that you are doing something healthy for your body because the mind can we know the mind and the body are connected by more than just a neck so whatever we do for our body we're doing for our mind and that holds true for eating healthy you know in america 
we do not eat healthy. We eat more processed foods uh, than any other country in the world. You know, back in the 1950s, I don't want to start by saying, oh, back in the day, but back in the 1950s and 60s, our government convinced us that processed food was food. But it isn't. It's just chemicals. So after 50 years, we want to know why we're obese. We want to know why we have so many diseases. Diabetes. Diabetes. We, you know, gut cancer, fatty liver. I mean, we, we want to know why. Well, we might look at what we've been putting in our bodies and what we're feeding our minds with. And that has, yeah. Eating has a lot to do with your mental health as well. Mm -hmm. If you eat nothing but crap every day, you're not going to feel great physically. So then mentally, you're not going to feel great. You might feel tired and sluggish all the time. It's like, well, quit eating pizza every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's hard though, because it's everybody's life is different. Everybody's raised different. And like you said, it's been decades since it, that's been shifted to this whole processed food thing. And you're right. We are the only country that's like that. I mean, you've been to many countries. I've been to numerous countries. You don't see mm -mm. processed food on the shelves. No. Some, but nothing like here. You don't see overweight people. I mean, there's a couple countries I've been to. I didn't see one. No. Not a no. single person. And they all bike or walk mm -hmm. every day, especially in the city. They bike or walk to the market every day to get their fresh food for the, that day's meals. Absolutely. They don't stock up. Like they don't have Costco's or Walmart did not do very didn't well. Didn't do well over in Europe. <laughs> no, did not do very well in Europe. And that's that's part of, of their lifestyle is part of their mindset. So that works well. So what are other countries doing better than we are? I think we need to identify those things and maybe adopt some of those lifestyle habits. You know, we know that 80% of disease can be re reversed with lifestyle changes. Only 20% is genetic. And if you're one of those people out there that have a genetic disease, it's not the end of the world. You just learn how to manage that that disease for diabetes, type one diabetes, not even type two diabetes. Actually, my son, my third son has type one. He has juvenile diabetes. He was diagnosed when he was six years old. And the blessing is that he never knew how to eat bad because we always ate healthy for him. It was a family issue. It was a family mindset. So uh, I think if everyone that that is not struggling, but has and we and to be honest, we all have something, you know, we we all have something. It's the way that we educate ourselves. If we educate ourselves and we find the right foods that will be right for our body. I mean, Hippocrates says, let thy food be medicine. He knew back in the BCs that food is medicine. Now we can argue, well, what kind of food? Organic food. Organic food is very expensive. That's one of the conundrums. But we could be eating more fruits, more vegetables. Plant-based diet is not a hit here in the United States because we were never taught 
how to eat well. And I don't know about your viewers or, or you or anyone that has gone through college like most of us have, or even high school or, or, or any kind of technical school. I have never taught, they have never taught me how to take care of myself. They have never told me how to manage stress. They have never taught me what good food looks like. They never taught me what exercise, keep moving. Sleep, sleep is a big one. I mean, there are four human drives. That is to eat, to sleep, to reproduce, and to drink. Those are the four human drives. Well, no one has ever taught us why do we sleep? We sleep to restore our bodies and our minds. So if we're not eating right, exercising, eating, that's one thing. But sleep is the bedrock. If you are not sleeping 78 hours of night, those other pillars do not have a strong foundation. Yep. And I completely agree. And I know that that's absolutely correct. <clears throat> I am one that has struggled sleeping. I never get seven or eight hours of sleep a night. I'm, I'm lucky if I get five and it's been that way for years and years. I know that I know it's not healthy for me. And I work very hard at changing that. You'd mentioned exercise. Exercise is huge on your mental health mm. and, and your physical health. Now I have diabetes. It's a rare form. It's not one and it's not two. Um, it's called LADA diabetes. So I'm actually a case study because there's no firm treatment for the type that I have. I've never been overweight. I've always been very active. I just have a really wacky pancreas. And I was just diagnosed two years ago. So in my fifties, I'm diagnosed with this because I didn't feel well. I'm like, what's happening? But I had to make a major life change with how I ate and not that I ate crap every day, but I had to completely change how I ate, how I looked at things. There's a lot of mental going on in there too, because all of a sudden you're like, I have to change everything in order to stay, to get healthy and stay healthy and feel okay. And so there's a lot that goes into it. And it might sound overwhelming to folks that are listening. And a lot of you out there, you're going through something or you have been through it. So, you know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I guess the main thing is before we wrap up today, the main thing is focus on yourself. Self-care is so important. Self-care is so important. And so often, especially females don't, they don't practice self-care because they're so busy taking care of everyone else. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on and the kids have flown the nest and it's just you and your hubby, or maybe it's just you for whatever reason. And you feel draggy and tired and depressed and anxious. That's a big old key. Look at yourself, practice self-care. Go talk to a doctor, go get a full physical, go talk to a counselor if you need. Reach out folks, if you don't feel well, physically or mentally, there's nothing wrong with reaching out and asking for help. I've, I've been told before, and I've shared it with other people, there are times you have to, you absolutely must put your pride to the side and reach out. It is not a sign of weakness, not a sign of weakness at all. I, I want to just jump right in here, Kim. You bring up a good point. You know, we have come so far, thankfully, from the 1950s when mental health was 
stigmatized. And we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. So if we keep the conversation going, if we have more conversations about it's normal to have mental health because we're human and we it is a God-given right to be well. We need to take our care of ourselves. It is our responsibility at the end of the day to be well. So like you said, reach out to the doctor, do some things that you can control at home. And it's not the end of the world if you have a diagnosable uh, condition. You just learn to work around it and you hit the nail on the head, Kim. It's actually more psychological than anything else. I have met veterans that have one leg, one arm, can't walk. They're smiling ear to ear. And I wanted to know what their secret was. And everyone had said that, you know, it's just more of a mind game. I'm just thankful to be here. And so once they get over that mindset, like, oh, poor woes me, and I don't want to say it's an unfortunate thing to have your leg amputated or your arm amputated or whatever, you know, the case may be, please, I, I don't mean that whatsoever. But like my son, like you and many other people out there, this is what we have. And there are not treatments, but if you put some tools, useful tools in your toolbox, self-care and well-being, the two are very closely re related, you will live a more healthy and joyous life. By taking just small steps every day, you can turn your life around. For all those stressors that are on the spectrum of life. Now, if you're struggling every day, you can't get out of bed, you may need to go and get some help. For all of you that are out there, don't wait. Don't wait. Get help. Talk to someone early. And if you get help early, you're going to be way ahead of the game. Awesome. Awesome. And I couldn't agree more. Renee, this has been an awesome conversation. And I could talk, and I'm sure you could too, for a way, way more, <laughs> a whole lot more. <laughs> yeah. There's so much stuff to talk about, but I thank you so much for, for being on Let Fear Bounce. Now, I'd like you to share with the listeners where they can find your book. This is your captain speaking. And if you've got a website, please share that. Oh, absolutely. My website is piloting the number two wellbeing. Dot com. And if you want to reach out to me, my first, you could uh, just send me an email to hello at piloting the number two wellbeing.com. And my book is called, this is your captain speaking, what you should know about your pilot's mental health. And again, mental health is different than mental illness. So thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it um, being here. It was it was a lot of fun. It was fun. So, hey, your book, where where can they, where can folks find your book? That's right. You can find it on Amazon. We can find anything on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. So this is your captain speaking by Captain Renee O'Shaughnessy. That book is available on Amazon. And I will make sure that the links to all her stuff are in the show notes. So you can get in touch with her if you want, if you've got questions or you want to get her book. But Renee, thank you so much for being on Let Fear Bounce today. This has been a true pleasure.
My pleasure. Goodbye. All right, everybody out there listening, be sure to tune in each week. And this was a special edition of Let Fear Bounce. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed.